hear the most annoying sound in the world? Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. My name is Bill, and I'm not joined with anybody at this particular moment because this is a special episode for all of you listeners out here. The date is June 24th, 2019. We're going to cut this one a little short in the intro because we have an interview with the one and only Doc Coyle, the lead guitar player and co-founder of bands such as God Forbid and bad wolves so uh here you go guys doc coil all right we'll be like the welcome to rage against the mainstream for the first time a man who needs no introduction doc coil apparently i did need an introduction though (laughs) here it comes (laughs) Um, for people who are listening to this podcast and everything man um give us a rundown of who you are and what you do obviously we know but there might be people who don't uh, you know, I've been in the music industry 20 years, I guess, something like that. Yeah, I started a, a band that would ultimately become God Forbid when I was in high school and did that band essentially half my life, quit the band 2013 and God Forbid, you know, put out six or seven records, yeah. uh, made a real impact kind of in our scene and, and our, in our world. And if you were kind of there for it. You 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 understand that, and if not, uh, don't worry about it. Exactly. But um, you know you know got a lot of experience, spent a long time on the road, uh, learning the industry, and um, you know just that's it's kind of like your your high school sweetheart. You know it's something that will always kind of uh, really matter, and a lot of people that's what they'll always remember me for. But uh, I quit the band in 2013, and uh, just really. You know, wanted to kind of see if there was any any uh, gas left in in the tank because it, it's so difficult to find a second career, especially coming out of you know the world of extreme metal or un- underground music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so you know, I, I I played with Unearth for a little bit, uh, playing bass guitar for them, and then I moved to Los Angeles and kind of jumped into the entire music scene over here and started playing with uh, whoever I could. Um, toured this band called Mates Hall and uh, this band The Killing Lights. And I was doing a lot of um, session work and stuff like that and ultimately ended up uh, joining with John Berkland and, and Tommy Vext um, and Chris Kane, uh, which th- ultimately would become Bad Wolves. At the time, it was called Eye of Tongues. Um, and I was pretty much just my mode. This is around 2015. My mode really back then was just you know, just do things that are cool, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. and, uh, you know, take on cool projects and stuff that felt like had a, um, potential, you know, because it's, especially when you leave a, a, a known band, your kind of dream is like, Oh, I'll, hopefully I'll just get hit up by another band. And then yeah, that's already exactly. established. Cause then you, then you could kind of skip all the steps and you go right into, you know, something that's established, but, um, at the same time, you can't always rely on that. So you have to, you know, if you're interested in doing music as a career, you have to do things that are kind of from the ground up. And that's really what what the, happened with Bad Wolves is it was an unknown quantity. It was unsigned. We were working on a record and kind of one thing led to another. And, you know, fast forward two and a half years and uh, it paid yeah, off. Are, 
Yeah, I mean, it is it is paying off. It's um, but it is one of those things where I think the perception from the outside looking in is that, you know, because the zombie single became such a phenomenon that you know, all of a sudden we're in mansions and private jets, and it's just uh, <laughs> the truth is, in a way, the single was so big it it exists outside of the band. You know, the single is yeah, more famous yeah. than, than than we are. And it takes a, a while for a lot of that stuff to kind of uh, manifest itself in the real world. And, and the truth is just because some people like a song on the radio doesn't necessarily mean they're a fan of your band. And so we've essentially been engaging in the work of building a real fan base, um, working on our live show, connecting with people, you know, through, you know, just face to face or online and uh you know, and, and now working on this this new record, it's all about establishing yourself, you know, as your own artist. Because, you know, there are a lot of bands that have had successful songs that were cover songs. Yeah. But it's only yeah. a handful of songs, bands, where their first, their breakout song was a cover song. And so that sometimes could work for you and sometimes it could work against you. Obviously, it's a big advantage, but it's also that we've seen instances where it overshadows the band, the rest of, the rest of a band's career, or it kind of becomes this uh, scarlet letter. So, you know, and that's what really we've been trying to do is to be proud of that moment. And so happy we could, uh, you know, donate money to Dolores O'Riordan's family. And, yeah, awesome. yeah that was make, huge. You know, give, uh, you know, really shine a light on uh, the legacy of, of her and the cranberries. And, and uh, you know, because there's just a lot of weight and real kind of real life stuff happening there and people connect to that and it's, and it's really important and it's emotional and it's, and it's a lot. Um, but also surround that with a real band and a real and other songs that hopefully people connect to. And we're, we're seeing that now, you know, yeah. but it's sometimes people think thing, ha one thing happens and then that's it. You're set. No, the opportunity is there for you to turn this into that's something great, but, it, but yeah, you, you got it. It yeah. takes years of work. Um, and that's what we're kind of in the middle of, and we're seeing it start to pay off now, but it's, you know, these things, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know the kind of overnight success stories that we've, we've heard in the past, but, uh, our scenario is, is a little different. It's just, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're in the middle of the, of the grind and hopefully we'll see where it goes. But I know the, the potential of the band is really, uh, you know, the sky is the limit. Well, it also goes into like all you guys were in very successful bands outside of bad wolves before bad wolves yeah. like um yeah i mean success i'd say you know john probably you know had the most successful band in devil driver and yeah. kind of sustained success which i think is is difficult but you know we all come from a more like i said extreme uh metal background which is you know all almost probably for me going to be always something i feel close to and connected to um and your guitar work and, uh, definitely shows it on disobey yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, but yeah. but no, it's a it's a scene that we're always going to feel connected to and want to uplift and, and shine a light on and to be able to kind of take that uh, experience and that um, where we come from and then invest that into, into this into this new band. It's it's pretty amazing, you know, that it's uh, that we've all been given a second shot. But it's it's a different I'm telling you, the world we're in now is much different than the one we were from our previous bands. This is, this was, has opened doors that had never been available to any of us. Well, yeah. cause now like the social media thing, it's so huge. Well, the way streaming you know, is, it, it could be like yeah. the next day people yep. know who you are. 
But I think that's cool when you go back to talk about, you know, the zombie cover, how that could totally overshadow a band. And then they're just always brought back to the one song that they had covered. But that is the cool thing with Bad Wolves, because that kind of like is the starting flame to what eventually becomes the fire to be able to find a band. And in your in, in your guys's case, it didn't become so hung up on that one song. It was just like, wow, they really did an excellent cover who's this band exactly some people just get stuck at the cover and just think this is just like some group that went on youtube and made a cover and then you guys were able to actually separate as a different entity well that's because i know some people that know bad wolves and then i show them the cover and they're like oh wow that's that's that band you know what i mean they actually understand it later it's like such a different you know view in the sense that they're not you guys aren't just remembered for that cover which is excellent that was that's a big big deal I mean, that's what got me into Bad Wolves at yeah. first, and then I heard No Masters, which, by the way, is probably one of the most like badass like mainstream songs I've ever heard. Yeah, I heard you guys are raging against the mainstream, though. <laughs> this guy has a tough time with trying to do that. You know, I try, I I try to dig up the dirt. I mentioned the Dark Throne album for the past couple weeks that just came out the other day, and you know, I try to really give some insight on that underground scene. But I thought it was a cool name. <sighs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, that's 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 my favorite song from from uh, Disobey, and the and the one I had the most I had the most help with, but not that much. I I did very little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. but I yeah, but I like that song because it's very much in you know it's. Feels like you know if Metallica came out in you know, you know Black Album Metallica came out in uh, you know 2018. You know it has that feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could definitely say it. It just has like a groove to it. Like it doesn't matter who you are. Like my wife, she hates heavy music, but the second she heard No Masters, she's like, she I, with I can fuck with this. Yeah, I can fuck with this hard. And that's now what, it's one of her that, favorite songs. Um, now going into like your guitar tone and whatnot, what kind of what? What's your rig that you're running? I mean, we're, we're guitar players too. Well, you have to keep in mind. I a lot of the recording I wasn't there for in the last record, so I was, uh, in a sense, replicating a sound that someone else developed. Okay. Um, and this is uh, this guy Max, who was previously in the band, did a lot of the recording, and he uh, he used a an Axe FX uh, with a VHT model. Oh, okay. um, and and he used a Ibanez K7 with these Lundgren M7 pickups, and those pickups had a lot to do with the sound. So I ended up getting an ESP guitar set up very similar like that with those pickups. And Max actually made a a profile for me so that it was very similar to the to the album tone. So that's what I've been using. So what are you using, like a Kemper or a, Kemper? Yeah, another Axe Effects. Like, yeah, yeah. He made a profile of of the Axe Effects sound for me to use. Now, are you using the Kemper as like the power source, or are you using like a tube head or anything, or just I use my high? EVH. Oh, nice. Um, I use my yes, my uh, EVH fifty one fifty as the power section. But you know, the truth truth be told, I'm you know, the Kemper is great. Um, it is it's an amazing piece of technology. But I definitely, hopefully, I can integrate a more tube sound uh, back to a live rig. But right now, it's. You know, we don't have a ton of people working for the band, so it's yeah, we're in a situation it where, yeah, the the Kemper, it's, you can fly with it. It's consistent. Um, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had any uh, any technical issues with it yet. And um, so for what we're doing right now, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and listen, I've I've seen 
and heard, you know, uh, front of house people showing us what we sound like, and it sounds great. Um, but for me, I definitely prefer. I'm more of an old school. Dude. There's a feel. There's yeah. a feel with yeah. your head. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like the way it feels in your in your fingers, the way it responds to your hands, the way you kind of you know lift a, a lead note and the way it sings. It's you know because I I got this thing called the uh, uh, two notes torpedo live, which is okay, like kind yeah, of I've heard of them digital load box. You know, just running that with my with my 50 watt uh, 5150. I was like, holy shit! It's not exactly uh, what I'd have to use for for bad wolves, but it's on the path. So hopefully in the next year I'll be kind of updating uh, my sound and, and listen. And it doesn't mean the camper is going to go away because that's something that, you know, you kind of, you, you might have your a rig, but Hey, we got to go fly and go do this gig over here. Boom. Throw the camper in your, uh, exactly. your luggage. It's easy. And you're, yeah, you're good to go. So it's, uh, you, you know, you kind of have to just utilize all this, this tech technology to uh, to be able to make all this stuff work and make your life hopefully as uh, stress-free as possible. Because you, you go to these, a lot of these countries, you got rented gear, you have stuff that may not, not be reliable, and you have to just do the things that are going to work for you in the moment, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Well, from, you know, God forbid era, like you guys probably were carrying around, you know, racks of gear and all kinds of crazy shit. And now... You have something yeah, like I mean, the size of like a cooler. It's simple. I would, <laughs> I would just have a big like pedal board that carry around. I remember going to Europe with this giant, you know, fifty pound pedal board. Like you know, going through airports, breaking my back and being miserable. And uh, I, I definitely am happy. I don't have to do that anymore. What age did you start playing guitar? I believe I was twelve years old. Twelve. Now, what were so, some of the bands that got you into playing guitar? Uh. You know, a lot of this, I was an MTV junkie back then. And uh, so it was, you know, Slash from Guns N' Roses and Megadeth and Metallica, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, pretty much all that stuff that was on on there. And then I discovered um, Headbangers Ball. And so then I got to see Pantera and Sepultura, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slayer, Prong and Biohazard and, you know, uh, all the, you know, and obviously the, a lot of the grunge stuff was based on Temple Pilots and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that was, the, you know, but really it was like Slash and hearing that guitar, you know, solo in, in November Rain and also, you know, uh, Queen, you know, uh, Bohemian's Rhapsody when oh, uh, yeah. Wayne's World came out. Just because those songs, the, the guitar was like the apex of the, of the, the of, of each of those songs, how big it got and how epic and it just, you know, I think it's just one of those things that just, it just, sung out to me and called to me and you know and I, I found some beat up old acoustic guitar and started beating around on it and uh my dad saw me doing that you know without any provocation and he ended up uh getting me a guitar when i graduated from eighth grade going into ninth grade like an electric guitar oh, that's awesome just uh, actually play so yeah that's what i mean that whole scene is if you think about it with the grunge scene going on and then also with all the older stuff you ever hear but that whole 90s scene especially for metal from the Florida, like the whole Florida era, like all the Scott Burns produced metal from that time of all those artists. I mean, that was like a perfect blend. If you're going to learn how to play guitar, oh, yeah. you have so much different influence, man. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, I, I, like, I mean, when you mentioned Sepultura and you think of like all the stuff he did with obituary, morbid angel, all these other bands, and they were huge in the nineties, yeah. you know, suffocation. Oh yeah. He did. He did like the first, uh, he did three death albums and they were like the big, Oh, did four of them. Leprosy through, uh, individual thought patterns. I mean, there were so many good albums in that era. But then when you mentioned like the grunge scene was dominant, 
But if being a music fan, which you obviously are, if you go and really look and surface all these other artists, you can get such a good influence in that time. 90s was perfect, man. Oh, my God. I love the 90s. To develop a sound? Yeah, absolutely. Who's your favorite grunge band? Um, It's funny. I mean... I- it would be Alice in Chains, but I don't, I don't, in hindsight, I don't know if they're actually grunge. I think they were kind of a metal band. Yeah. Almost like, a, like if you could, a hard rock band on the verge of being metal. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, cause they were, if you, they, they weren't, they were pretty clean, you know, like they're the technique and the production. It was, you know, um, and I think aesthetically they definitely fit in with those bands. Um, but I think in many ways, like a lot of subgenres, a, a lot of times the the names are almost irrelevant. You know, yeah, they almost limit don't, the entire band. They're yeah. just they're just rock bands. Yeah. You know, I mean, Soundgarden, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Tool. You know, these. You know, I know those those bands weren't considered to be part of the the, the grunge phase, but yeah. I think once you put a, a name like that, it's so limiting. On what? Oh, what can be considered this thing? Oh, is, is there enough fuzz on their guitar? Yeah. Did yeah. they? You know, is it simplistic they use enough? enough? Uh, clean to distortion changes throughout. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, so I, I I think some of those, you know, in many ways, the the grunge tag, you know, has had as much to do with um, a look, um, being from a certain part of a country, um, kind of having representing certain uh, approaches. You know, those are those are very kind of anti-rock star approach to things yeah. and uh, yeah. not wanting fame. I mean, there was, you know, a real desolation from that era. I mean, you look how many people died from overdoses, people who died, um, mm-hmm. you know, just from, uh, there was a lot of misery going on, whatever, you know, was happening kind of in the, in the era. I mean, it was a post eighties, uh, you know, kind of hangover or whatever. But um but yeah, so sometimes I think when you get so specific, it's the same thing with, you know, like hardcore. Like once you start doing a couple other things outside of the realms of hardcore, is it still hardcore? And it's yeah. like, so what's the point of having that? It's like, well, if you, you, you only sound like terror and Madball, or else you're not hardcore. And you know what I'm saying? It's like... Well, that's almost like things. a band that's close to you, E-Town Concrete. Yeah, like, I mean, but that that was a band that defied genre. You know, yeah. you can call them... You can call them what rap core, but I mean, how many, you know, that to me, they were just doing something completely unique for the, for the time, especially even the time when there was a lot of people mi- mixing hip hop and, and heavy music. Yeah. And when you talk about like the whole genre thing, I mean, you know, through the eighties with the whole aesthetic of like grunge being more an image, it's like the whole punk movement in the eighties, you know, when death metal surfaced, they didn't know what to call it. And then, yeah, like even with the whole rap core thing, like when Rage Against the Machine like had broke out and then they produced artists like, you know, Limp Bizkit even and stuff like that. It's like it's a shame because when you Wikipedia these bands or you Google these bands, they'll have a genre and then they'll have related artists that shouldn't even be related. And that's what I think hurts about a genre, because then it really just bunches all these artists and it's like, oh, they're a death metal band. I don't want to listen to them. Oh, I don't like new metal, but they're a new metal band. And it's like the genre really limits like certain people that aren't willing to branch out as opposed to give an artist an opportunity just for the sound. Exactly. I, like, I can't. Yeah. And that's the whole thing with the grunge scene. I mean, when you talk about the era and the overdoses and like the culture it appealed to, like those 90s kids that were just, you know, the rebellious attitude and stuff, it kind of became like more polished punk than anything. Cause that's where Kurt's like influences came from. And even he rejected the whole grunge thing. Yeah, he hated being tagged with image. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, if you could play guitar for any other band, who would you choose? If I could play guitar for any other band, that's a good question. Um, you know, there there are a few bands I've definitely like. Oh man, it'd be cool if if you know if they ever need to fill in. You know, like you know, Killswitch. I've always thought about would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Baroness is a band I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, you know, if Muse ever needs a second guitar player, you know, how how at me, Matt Bellamy. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I remember when uh, when I found out Anthrax needed a guitar player and um, my yeah. buddy Johnny from Shadows wound up getting the gig. But that was something I was like, ooh, that might be fun. Yeah, Jam some Anthrax tunes. That's a good show um, too, man. <laughs> so those are those are a handful. I'm trying to think if there's if there's any other. I think off off the top of my head. You know, see now. Um, you know, William plays second guitar in Alice in Chains, but you know, if, if that if he was just a singer, they needed a guy just in the back, you know, rocking out. You know, you're on now. Holla at your boy, you know, <laughs> yeah. holla at your, you know. Let me know. You let you 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 call me. You know, <laughs> dude, I've seen Alice in Chains live like three or four times, and they are probably one of the best live bands I've ever seen. You can I, say. I, I mean, I haven't uh, seen you guys, but yeah. by all the bands that I have seen, Alice in Chains probably puts on one of the best stage, like the best shows ever. They could probably put on a better performance with Doc Coyle playing guitar. Probably. I'd agree. Possibly. We'll see. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh you know put my uh put any money on that. Or actually if if you know Pat Smear ever retires from, from Foo Fighters, yeah. you know, and they needed to just banging out power chords. Yeah. You know, I'd be I'd be feeling that shit with Dave Grohl yelling next to me, doing shots of Jaeger. Hell yeah. Yeah, and you got to figure even Pat Smear's age all the time in the germs. I mean, his biological clock is ticking with Torn. There might be an opportunity there. Just saying, bro. You know, pass it down. You know what I'm saying? Brothers, brothers need some work out here. Come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Come on, dog. You're in California. They're in California. It, it's possible. It could work. Yeah, I think that's be. like meant to be in that sense. You know, you know, but I do have a job right now. I shouldn't start auditioning for other jobs while I still have one. You know, that's You're just like open-minded. That's like, that's like yeah. bad karma. You're you just know? open-minded. You have to keep your options open. Yeah. Well, well, it's funny, like now that I'm, you know, things are are taking off with Bad Wolves, it sucks because it, when it rains, it pours because then I get hit up to do certain gigs and I can't, I have to say no because we're bit, we're too busy, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, you know, so it's, I can't, some I can't even name or it's, we're, it wasn't a 100% chance, but it's like, oh, that you might be able to play with this man and just, just being cool because me, I'm all about experiences, you know, just, yeah doing different things, playing with different people, going different places, uh, expanding yourself as a musician and being able, being able to learn different styles mm. of, of music has always been something I've, I've enjoyed and had a lot of fun doing so. Well, speaking of which, you just came off a tour with Mark Morton not too long ago, right? You won his solo yeah, tour? Uh, yes. Uh, and that, you know, me and Mark have a history because I filled in for him in Lamb of God and I got to do a tour opening for Metallica back in 2009. So I'm, you know, really, you know, outside of just being friends with, uh, with him and all the guys in the band and, uh, God forbid Lamb of God really uh, came up together at the same time, part of the same scene doing very similar, you know, genre of, of, of music. I was very, you know, and then getting to fill in for him, I was very familiar with his playing style and, uh, you know, and, and it was really cool doing, learning the music for the solo project because it was, you know, I think a little more in tune to where, I'm at Mark, Mark that as you age, you, know, you you do these really extreme bands and the record it, it is, is it just as much rock as it is metal, yeah. you know, and that that's what was really fun about it was the versatility. Um, and Mark is so laid back and easygoing, you know, he's not 
one of those guys that's going to sit there and kind of nitpick yeah. every mm-hmm. note of how you're playing something. You know, it's, 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 it is pretty loose, um, you know, and he's open to improvisation and, oh, you play this part, I'll play it. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's real chill. Um, and that was a lot of fun. It was uh, two of the guys from Sons of Texas, and then we had uh, Art Cruz, who's actually playing with Lamb of God right now. So it was a okay, really yeah. great yeah. band. And it was quick, man. We we did only about two weeks, and we only got, we got two rehearsals, but we definitely built a a rapport and a and some chemistry over that a couple weeks. And the band started right when we started to feel pretty tight. The the tour was over, but um, but it, this is just how it is, you know. I'm really busy. Mark is really busy. Uh, the Sons of Texas guys, you know, have a lot going on. So that's just uh, you try and take those opportunities when they present themselves. We actually just saw Slayer and Lamb of God a couple weeks ago. And uh, Lamb of God was ridiculous. Yeah, that was like was, the third time was, I saw him in you know, over two good years. Show. Yeah, and it's it's funny with Lamb of God because I, I I always got bunched in growing up in school with like the scene kids, the ones that listen to like Parkway Drive and Suicide Silence. But I was like always in the traditional death metal with like Morbid Angel, Benediction, you know, Deicide and all the older bands. And for some reason, Lamb of God, it's funny because that band like literally transcends that type of like gap between those genres. Cause like ashes of the wake hands down is probably one of my favorite metal albums. It's just all the way through, but then their newer stuff. I know people that love it that I can't stand it, but when they go out there <clears> and perform, I mean, some of the songs that they put on from their newer albums, like that's when I get the appreciation is live shows. So I know for you, and I want to like obviously ask your opinion, like when you're performing with that band, is that like a breath of fresh air to be able to go back out there to that like comfort zone of like that metal you're so familiar with? Um, I mean, it's different because you got to remember just anytime you're playing new music for the first time, you have some, there's growing pains, you know, where you're just getting, even if it's, your band if you have a song you've never played live before you probably got to play it for a few months before it starts to feel um like second nature mm-hmm. yeah um so it, i w- i wouldn't say it was like going back to a certain comfort zone it was the, the comfort zone for me was just doing things because you want to do them and there's not some great uh ulterior motive or it's not i'm trying to make money or i'm trying it's like no like when you're doing music or I think any kind of art, uh, you need to take moments to do things for the sake of doing them, not because you think it's going to have some yeah, like uh, the intrinsic value over the extrinsic. Yeah, 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 just just doing because it it's because it's fun because it's like, hey man, I get to go jam some tunes with some buddies. Yeah, that's what it's all. You know, it's like if you don't get that fe- same feeling just rocking out in a in a rehearsal room somewhere or a garage, and it's you know um, the fact that a crowd is there. Uh, or you're on some big tour bus or something that shouldn't really totally change that that feeling that you get so it's like that's my main reason for doing things like that and obviously things like that it's you know it's good for my profile or it's you know oh you're doing this you're doing that there's all those things that obviously kind of check certain marks career-wise that are that are helpful building a resume things like that but you know ultimately I did it because Mark asked you know like I really didn't have time to do it I was so busy, but he asked and it's like, when am I going to get a chance to fucking jam with my buddy again? One of the sickest musicians I know. The fact that he would even ask me is uh, is a big honor. And it's like, okay, you got to take this seriously. And I don't want to let him down. I don't want to let myself down. And, uh, you know, just have a challenge and have some fun. You know, and that's, that's the thing about life. It's like 
opportunity knocks, you're, you know, you got to answer the door, you know, cause you're only going to get so many chances. Cause sometimes it does not knock. So even though it was hard and I was stressed out, uh, once we got there, it was, it was a blast. Now, who do you think it was easier to prepare for a tour for lamb of God or Mark Morton solo? Oh, definitely the solo. Uh, but a lot of that though is, you know, I had, I had only had to learn 10 solo songs. I had to learn 17 Lamb of God songs. Oh, wow. And Lamb of God stuff, you know, it is a lot more um, intensive t- technically. Yeah. And I was filling in for March to do all the guitar solos. And guitar- learning guitar solos can be very time intensive. Um, and also at the time, I just hadn't done fill-in work. So I didn't have a, uh, a system. I didn't. You know, I wasn't, you know, learning in and of itself is a skill. You get better the more you do it. And I've been, that was my first real like fill in, you know, kind of pay for hire gig. And since then, I've done it um, countless times. So now I I just understand the process. Um, And then I was so nervous about like, can I even pull this off? Whereas, you know, it's not like I don't have gigs like that. Like I, I filled in for Darkest Hour, playing lead guitar. You know, a couple summers ago, and that was pretty nerve wracking too. It was you know similar. It was like mm-hmm. to Lamb. It was like you know I had to learn, you know, fifteen songs. I can't remember how many songs I had to learn. Um, and too. playing, yeah. you know, that's a pretty te- technical band. And yeah. so, but at least I had a process of how I could do it. I had enough time to learn it. Um, so, I mean, if that same instance or a band of similar stature or uh, difficulty of playing, I'd have a better mind on how to approach it now now with basically being a musician for hire at that point in time just because we just reviewed the movie not too long ago did you ever catch the movie hire gun on netflix yeah i actually went to the premiere uh in la and i was blown away i thought it was incredible yeah hearing some of those songs and realizing like some of the people like for instance i didn't even know that wasn't ted nugent singing on stranglehold (laughs) and like many of those songs i've been that naive for so long I was like, Ted Nugent can actually, he's got some pipes, man. It's not even Ted. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really fascinating. And, and it's in many ways, I kind of moved to L.A. thinking that's what I was going to be, was just a kind of hired gun and, you know, playing with this person, playing with this person. And then I kind of realized it, it in the kind of real strict way that I think a lot of people do it. I, I couldn't really do that. Like, I think it would be very difficult for me to play in a band where I just flat out didn't like the music. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, I guess, I guess any job that could be theoretically like soul crushing, that's something where, you know, cause I, I definitely did some stuff where I'd people ask me to do something and I'd be like, eh, I mean, I'd hesitate and I wouldn't outright say no, but it's, or sometimes you try out for something that you weren't really that pumped on and it doesn't really happen, but you're, you're not really trying that hard to get in. You almost kind of lay things out for yourself in a way um, where you end up doing the things you actually wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, so yeah. I, so it's, I kind of realized through my process that I wasn't really a hired gun in the purest sense that I think I was, I could do it, but it, I'd be very selective and I'd be yeah, like, you were like, well, a, I'll do it. Yeah. A hired gun with conditions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i just couldn't you know I, you know i don't know if i could just be a wedding guitar player um yeah you know maybe i could i i, I, I don't know it depends on uh how, how much they pay you we'll see but uh <laughs> you know but um i mean i like doing cover band stuff but i kind of like do, playing the songs i like yeah, exactly you know? 
I like being involved in that kind of the curation process and, and all that stuff. Yeah. I actually just heard Vegas Nerve the other day for the first time. And, um, you know, with the success of Bad Wolves and everything, uh, what is the current status of Vegas Nerve? How, what are you guys doing? You know, when can we expect something? Uh, I mean, the status is, is pretty simple in, in that Bad Wolves is so busy. Well, actually, I can go back a little bit. Is mm-hmm. Right before Disobey came out, I had some time and actually tried to uh, basically write a new Vegas Nerve like EP. Oh, so okay. I wrote about five songs worth of music, and we just didn't – it just didn't get done in time. Oh. Um, and uh, so in – a, in a, and then Bad Wolves just obviously – it just took off. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, no one we didn't really know it was going to be that when we when we started. Um, but unfortunately, it's like you can only do so much in a day. You can only kind of invest yourself in so many projects. So really, I'm just trying to see see all this stuff through with with Bad Wolves and and especially when you have as much momentum as as we do. Oh yeah. Sometimes that first album cycle kind of turns into the second one because you have to like you can't mess around. You just have to keep going. Um, and I'm still close with all the dudes in in Vegas Nerve. It's just a matter of kind of finding time. Uh, the singer who me and him kind of started started that band, he's kind of taking a break from music for a minute to kind of get his like financial stuff in in, in order and kind of focus on some other things. But uh, you know, I, I'd love to do it when we get some time and it, and it makes sense. But I think with all things like that, you just can't force it. You have to like, you know, it don't do something because. You, yeah, you want to, you know, I think there's a, there's a special uh, chemistry with all those guys in that band. I, and the next time we do something, I'd love it to be, you know, just all of us in a room, you know, maybe even like writing yeah, exactly. off the That'd cuff, cool. you know, or, you know, even recording live and having a complete, completely kind of organic experience. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I definitely, all those guys are so talented. And I would love to do something at some point, but we'll awesome. see. So, yeah, I want to ask, too, because I'm more of a novice fan when it came to Bad Wolves. But the funny thing about that is I'm a huge Cranberries fan. And I remember several, and I'm talking like more than a handful of people that would recognize Zombie from the Bad Wolves cover and not even the original because that version of it blew up. It was so popular. And it was like very, it was shocking because I didn't even know who Bad Wolves were, but I knew that cover. So like my question more so to this is, you know, explain the you know progression of Bad Wolves and I want to hear what it felt like with the idea of how Zombie became what it is now, like your version of it. I mean, that was really, it was something Tommy had already. Uh, basically, there was a record that John, you know, had more or less put together with with another band member who was no longer with the band and he was almost proceeding without even having like a full <laughs> band or, or anything yeah, and then he then funny. tommy and then tommy got involved and that kind of started to mold the material to to a certain level and then that's kind of when i got involved with the band and um you know and uh, chris had already been had already been jammed with the guys and you know, so I kind of helped out with the last few songs, No Masters, Officer yeah. Down, uh, and some of the songs came into the fold a little bit later, like uh, Hear Me Now and Remember When. Um, and but but Zombie was there from the beginning, or at least when Tommy joined it, because it was basically a recording he already had. Oh wow! Okay. Um, That's so it was basically him and this other producer, guitar player, had put it together. Um, so in a weird way, like as a band, we're almost disconnected from it because it's this thing that kind of existed outside of us, but we knew it was great. 
and but we thought it would be like a second single or something like that. Yeah. It was this thing we had kind of in our back pocket that could be really cool because, as you could hear, the rest of the record uh, was a lot heavier and, and different. Yeah. But when we signed with 11.7, we kind of realized that we could go a little further in terms of bringing a little more rock influence on the album. And it focused uh, the possibilities. And that's how, like I said, some of those other uh, songs got involved. And so by the time the record was done, it was a lot more versatile. Right? Definitely so worked you out had the really heavy stuff, but then you had these kind of uh, more crossover kind of rock songs. And somehow, even though it was really different, it seemed to work. You know, yeah. somehow I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense, even though, you know, maybe it might throw some people for a loop. But even the heavy stuff all has a lot of melody to oh, it. Yeah. It all has, you know, there, there's all there's a pretty, uh, you know, decent level of musicianship involved and everything has has everything feels really professional and, and, and high level. So I can't take credit for a lot of it. But um, it was definitely what drew me to want to, like, play with these guys for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And. When you mention obviously the different tempos, the different melodies, how you're kind of able to blend from like the harder stuff to the more like easier listening stuff for more of fans to appeal to, like that's why I want to ask because I know a lot of your affiliation, obviously, and Mark Morton and things like that. But musical influence, like what's like your go-to, like what's the type of music that gives you the background and gives you the structure for like in a writing process? You know, I mean, I think in in many ways, you know, you don't. I think when you're writing, especially when you get to a certain point, you know, I think when you're younger, you're very much like very directly connected to your influences. So it's like, oh, I just heard this Morbid Angel record last week. I'm going to write a <laughs> Morbid Angel riff this week, you know, and I think as you get older and you develop your own style, you begin to kind of trust yourself. And it's more like uh, I think now. I'll get it. It's more instead of like a part, it's more like a, oh, I, I want to write a song like this kind of song. And it doesn't mean it sounds like that song, but it just might mean a feel. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's a song that ended up on the new Vadals record that's not out yet that was a Vegas Nerve song. And I, I was kind of inspired uh, to write a song that had minimal amount of parts. Right. So this song really had two parts. And I was kind of, and it worked really well, and I was kind of proud of myself. But that was something that I hear other bands do, where I'm like, man, how do they make? They only have a couple parts, but it sounds really interesting. Yeah, you know, crazy. or like you listen to, you know, like I'm, you know, some one of my favorite songs, for example, is like "Where the Streets Have No Names" by U2, right? Okay, that's only like five chords. Yeah, the edge is nasty. Over the course of about four minutes, and it never feels boring, and it never, and it has this way of kind of dynamically building. And so it's things like that. It's more like I'll hear a beat, you know, like I, like I love this song, um, the Jay-Z song, Jigga What? Jigga Who? It has this really great <laughs> hi-hat groove. And something like that where it's, man, that's a really that's a really sick groove. And then you, you, you know, so instead of, and I think that's, you know, the more complex you get with influence, it's more about being inspired by, by feels because that's what, Music really is. It's all about atmosphere and like, oh, you and almost like you're scoring. You know, like when you when you watch a movie and you hear the music, it's it's meant to make you feel something or put you in a vibe. Yep. You know. Um. And I think that's always way more interesting than like, hey, let's make a song that sounds like, you know, Pink Floyd or something. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which is it, which is fine, but I think it may always makes it a little more interesting and and unique. Yeah, because I think that's also a tough thing is like, especially writing an album, you have to keep a level of consistency. 
but also I hear about a lot of bands and, you know, one of my favorites actually being Tool in the sense when they go in the studio and they just play to the point where they feel like the song is complete as opposed to going in there with that structured format of like, you know, verse, chorus, verse, hook, chorus type structure. Instead, it's like in the moment, the idea to produce an atmosphere. I think that's, I think that's super important to music as opposed to feeling like it's a forced record with filler tracks and everybody's just trying to get like 12 songs on an LP or something like that. So I like, when you mentioned Morbid Angel, it's funny because you wouldn't know that from a lot of the sound. You'd be able to hear, like, obviously that's an influence, and especially with some of the people we've collaborated with, but it's funny to, like, to hear that and then know that a lot of your musical writing comes from way other types of musicians. So well, I think I'm saying, but I can take you to an old God Forbid record, and I can just show you each song, like, oh, this is... And you can hear, if you know yeah. enough about metal and, you know, heavy music, you can tell, okay, that's where they were feeling this thing and that's what you do when you're younger and that's i think it's great because you can't without doing that you can't get to that next exactly. place where yeah. you where you find your own voice you know and it's uh yeah it's 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 not easy and it's it's something that uh i think about a lot like you know why do we criticize certain bands or like for example like greta van fleet is like the band currently that gets a lot of yeah. uh shit for you know being unoriginal um, you know, and I, and I think that's always a fascinating thing because it's a dichotomy, right? So they get criticized for being sounding like Led Zeppelin and yet they're the most, the biggest selling new rock band, right? Yeah, of course. So yeah. clearly the people like bands that sound like Led Zeppelin, or at least they like that band, right? Yeah. So it, it, so it might, it might piss off other musicians or piss off music critics, but the people actually the ones who buy the tickets and go to the shows and stream and, and actually the fans of this stuff it doesn't seem to matter to them yeah right exactly of course so it so so there's a real separation between how we can be critical of artists and what actually is matters and is successful in the real world yeah mm-hmm. definitely um since we're on a podcast you also do a podcast the x-man what was your introduction and how did you get to start doing podcasting like what what drug you you know what brought you in first things first i'm i'm just a podcast fan and junkie and that's i listen to i'd say if you were to break down my listening habits uh it's probably 80 20 podcast and music like i that's that's where i spend a lot of my my time right here um, with you so so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it and then uh i start when i quit god forbid um, I started writing. Well, I actually started writing before that, but um, I really got into writing, and then I started guesting on the Metal Sucks okay. podcast, um, just doing little segments. And I, you know, I just felt like I had a knack for it, uh, for being able to kind of be interesting and formulate opinions. And and go, going back to what I said about writing, it's it's very similar in that when you do op ed or even analytical type of writing, you know, you're really, it's all about expressing yourself and communication, right? So one is communicating via the the written word and another is communicating with your voice. And it's a different way of doing the same things. And I, I noticed that in other areas of the media, whether it was sports mm-hmm. writers or entertainment writers or political writers that almost all of the, that went uh, hand in hand with podcasting yeah. and broadcasting. So to me, it was just kind of 
the natural progression. And then I was I actually started a podcast. I mean, I did an interview in 2012 that ended up not coming out. And then subsequently, I, it didn't happen, moved to L.A. And then I had uh, Mike Mowry, uh, who runs the podcast network. I'm, I'm with Jabberjaw Media. and was also artist manager, approached me about doing a podcast. And so I decided, I was like, all right, I had, a, I had the concept, did a couple episodes, made a demo. And he actually turned me down at first. And he's like, yeah, we kind of have enough, you know, artists, interviewing artists and, you know, he, I guess he didn't think the 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 concept was was yeah. impactful enough, but I said, "All right, no worries, no harm, no foul. I'm gonna push on, exactly. do it on my own, put it out." I put it out, and it jumped into the top charts right away. You know, got a lot of listeners right That's away, awesome. and uh, and you know, it seemed to connect uh, fairly quickly, and I I felt like I I felt very natural at doing it. Um, so and it was and listen and I put a lot of work into it just mm-hmm. just uh, working on interview technique and and how to kind of speak a certain way and be myself and balance kind of into intellectual content with being more entertaining, um, you know. And then it's also just it's really fun and it's uh, cathartic yeah. and it's it's I just enjoy having conversations, you know. And then it became like a thing of of its own artistic thing where I can, Hey, I want to talk about this. Hey, I want to express myself about this. And it became kind of like a, a little space, my own space to kind of do, do whatever was, was at my whims. It's just, it, it's, a, there's a lot of freedom in the, uh, in the platform. That's something that, that really has attracted me and keeps coming. Keeps me well, that, coming back. That's kind of how this podcast got started. Um, the third guy who's not here, he's got work. Um, me and him would just sit down for hours and just talk about music. Yeah. And eventually I was just like, you know, I, I listen to podcasts. Like I listen to Henry Rollins, Joe Rogan, yours, um, who else? I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts too. And I said to him, I was like, why don't we just record this? Like some, some other assholes got it like what we got to say. Yeah. And then we put it on and I mean, we didn't gain any kind of traction really, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it's just something that's just so easy to do and you know it only takes a little while and why not you know especially if you have someone that's going to share an opinion that you do i mean that that's all kind of why we do this kind of thing anyway and it is cool when you mentioned the uh like the 80 20 split on like music and podcasts Mm -hmm. um you figure you know we're obviously older past the time where podcasts were like a thing from a young age. Yeah. And I remember like, I just like, I have those moments where I'll just put on a podcast and especially like sports radio or like, you know, weird history and Mm -hmm. like, you know, like stuff like that and just let it play. And it's like almost just as soothing as listening to like any album for a time. Cause you feel like you're engaged in a conversation with people that like aren't even there. Like it creates its own atmosphere. And like, it is weird because podcasting is so huge now and this wasn't a thing like when I was a kid. Like I didn't have the luxury. I had like you know the the Walkman in the back pocket and just listening to whatever CD I had. Now it's just the ability to stream music as well as podcasting. It's it's like open up a whole new experience. Yeah. I mean, I have people like I'm not going to name names because he's probably going to be super upset to say it, but he's stuck in college with pretty much nobody around. But he listens to certain podcasts and he's like, "It's like I have friends." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, dude." Well, that, that's yeah. exactly what it is, and and it's actually the same thing as um, a lot of these kids who watch people play video games on you know yeah, Twitch no. and things like that. It's the same. It's the same idea of 
hey, you know, maybe I can't, quote unquote, hang out with, you know, Joe Rogan or Bill Burr or whoever you listen to. Uh, but you do get to kind of be there. You know, it's a it's a one sided uh, friendship, mm-hmm. you know, where you get to kind of hang out and, and be a fly on the wall in these conversations. And, you know, and I think you get to really know people, especially in the long form, the, in, when you get into the two hours and the three hours. And, um, you know, and I, I try and go out of my way to have as many people that I'm fr- really close with. Uh, so you get a sense of the intimacy um, and have that comfortableness that you're not really going to get when you have uh, some host of a show exactly. interview a stranger mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just, I mean, and I've, and I've done that and I, I will do that. Um, and, you know, but hopefully have some kind of way to relate to them, um, on their, on their level and have, you know, something to connect with them on. But, uh, but yeah, I think there, there is something about that and, you know, maybe kind of speaks to our, our current state of things where maybe we're a little bit technology has isolated us to a certain degree and social standard. um, Exactly. Yeah, and it is a way of kind of maybe passively connecting. Um, and the thing is, it's like I'm sure if you let's say you meet someone who's a fan of a podcast that you are, you kind of feel like, oh, we we probably exactly. have a lot in common. We're probably of similar yeah. interests. Um, and so there are communities that that build around that. And I think, like I said, I think it's uh, uh, that's exactly what it is. Just you're just hanging, you're hanging out with people, but. All right. Well, yeah. I know we don't want to take up too much of your time here, but um, I want to do this thing a quick fire round. I got a couple of questions here. I want to get your opinion on one or the other. Um, Megadeth or Metallica? That's really tough for me. Uh, whew. I mean, Metallica, I would say, is my favorite band, but I can't, you know, it's peanut butter and jelly, man. I can't have yeah, one without so. the other. Sorry. Um, small venues or big venues? Big venues. Jack Daniels or Jägermeister? Jack Daniels. Morbid Angel or Death? Ooh, <laughs> how dare you? Fuck. <sighs> I, I guess I'm about to say death just because uh, Morbid Angel. I like the David Vincent era yeah, of Morbid like Angel, gateways. so it's not. Even though actually I do like Gateways, Gateways to Annihilation, and some of the Steve, yeah. Steve Tucker stuff is really sick. So I don't want to say or is that is the Gateways? But they're or all the you know, Formula Fatal, Flash Gateways, and uh, Heretic was when David came back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm you know I'm more of a of a David guy, but you know, but I'd say so death. Is yeah. more consistent, kind of with even though they had all shifting yeah. lineups, it was it just got better and better and better. And obviously, we have no more records, but you know, touring in a van or touring in a bus. What's that joke? Touring in a hey, bus. Hey, there's some people that want to be close, you know, like to the do-it-yourself type thing, and they want to be, you know, the hardcore. No, they're not. They they just want they just want to make more money. <laughs> that's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's it. it. But it's for as much as we tour, it's kind of yeah. You couldn't do that in a van. You, know, you, you, you can't survive. We're too old. <laughs> Backstreet Boys or In Sync? Oh, In Sync, that's easy. Damn, I'm a Backstreet Boys guy. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, well, I'm a Timberlake, Timberlake oh, all day, baby. Uh, Marvel or DC? Percent Marvel. Come on, <laughs> all right. Well, um, I mean, 
So you want to um, just end it with any updates, what's going on with Bad Wolves, any yep. release dates, any, you know, the new writing process, anything? Yeah, the, the, the new record is should be done in a few days. Uh, and we are going to Europe to do some festivals and headline shows. And we're going to Russia for the first time in awesome. June, doing some festivals, down, Download Festival, Grass Pop, Nova Rock, uh, Rock and Ring, Rock and Park. Then we come back in July and then we play two festivals in Wisconsin and then do a full U.S. tour with Papa Roach and Asking mm-hmm. Alexandria. And I do not have any release dates on the new album, but... We are hoping to get it out Excellent. this fall, so I can't. No promises, but that's a that's the the desired uh, time. Well, we we shall see. It's not going to be like Tool, though. We're not going to be waiting for a release date for a decade, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, we're going to be looking forward for when you guys come to Philadelphia. We're definitely going to come see you guys. I mean, yeah, I'm not a giant Papa Roach fan, there. but I will be at that show. 100%. I like some of their new stuff that actually just came out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, came out with. Sick, I'll man. show you. His, they bring yeah. a great lot. They're an amazing live really? band too. Huh. Real quick, because before we end that, they bring. The, they bring. The heat. Yeah, just bring real quick. I mean, um, because we mentioned Papa Roach, he doesn't really like him. I just wanted to ask this question: Is there any guilty pleasures in your music catalog? No, I don't you have guilty outright pleasures. Outright with it, like you'll blast. You like, like, yeah. I just like. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand that. I think uh, you should like what you like, and uh, you know, if it. You know, I, I just, I don't really, I've kind of bred all the, the elitism out of my, uh, you know, kind of mind frame. Uh, mind frame? Yeah, that would be right. Yeah. We'll yeah, mind that. frame. The judges. Uh, you know, yeah, just in, in terms of uh, how I how I look at that stuff, it's just, if you like it, you like it. And you don't even have to like the artist. You can just like a song. You can say, you know, hey, man, this is, why? Like, what, probably the last things with that song is like, I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> I don't give look. I don't, I don't. Like I was at first I heard him, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I'm like, but this is amazing. Why do I like this? And then just then I started liking it non-ironically. I was like, this yeah. is that's kind of how we felt about that song oh. "Old Town Road" yeah. that just came Can't out with the Billy, Billy Cyrus song. <laughs> yeah, I know what it is, and I still oh. haven't heard do it. Do yourself a favor and check it out. Yeah, he just heard it yesterday, and it it's. Now it's like embedded. And it's funny because the first time I heard it was on a 30 second clip that they made a vine out of. And I was like, what is this song? And then I realized later on, this is like blowing up. And all of a sudden, Billy Ray Cyrus is relevant again. It's just incredible how music can flip so quickly. Well, guys, I got I got, I got to run. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Yeah, we, we really appreciate, appreciate it. All Thank right, you very later. much, Doc Take Coyle, care. everybody. All right, guys. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview. We sure had a lot of fun. Um, Make sure you guys check them out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, check them out at Bad Wolves. Um, check out the X Man podcast, also available on Apple Podcasts. Um, we'd like to thank Doc Coyle again for the interview. It was really fun. Uh, tune in next week for your normal schedule programming. This is Bill with Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>